Well, welcome to the Faithful Fathering Podcast. Thank you for joining us. This again is Rick Words, founder and president of Faithful Fathering, where the mission is to encourage and equip dads to be faithful fathers. Dads that prioritize physical presence, are engaged emotionally, and lead spiritually by example. Uh, we're initiating discussion uh, this uh, series, this podcast series around Where Men Hurt. It's a ministry founded by Andrew Landry. And uh, as uh, before we uh, get in discussion with Andrew, I do want to remind you that Faithful Fathering exists to help you be the dad the next generation needs. I want to, to point you to the website, faithfulfathering.org, at, uh, where you can click on the For Dads button to see a history of logs and studies that we offer, other resources. And, uh, and as always, this podcast uh, will be a very practical discussion. I pray blesses you on your journey as the man, husband, and father you're called to be. And as mentioned in the studio with me today is uh, to talk about Where Men Hurt is Andrew Landry, the, Andrew Landry, the founder of Where Men Hurt. Uh, he's a man, uh, obviously a husband and father and uh, and a grandfather. So uh, tell us a little bit more about uh, your your background uh, and uh, in your marriage as well as uh, why, why you deal with Where Men Hurt. So um, just, you know, been married for 10 years and uh, learning a lot in marriage life and enjoying kids. Not my, all of my kids are adult now, so that's been fun too. Uh, but now watching my grandkids grow, is, uh, it's been fun too. So. Now, just real quick, where was the funnest time as dad? Was it when they were little, when they were teenagers, or when they are adults? Adults for me. Adults for Adults you. Adults for okay. me. Yeah, right. it's fun to watch them grow to 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 see the the men and women that they become. Ah, yeah, yeah. That's, so, uh, that's good, exciting. Good, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, and and uh, tell us a little bit about your story. Why why you're in ministry? Why why where men hurt uh, resonates with you? So uh, a few years back, I wrote a book called Overcoming the Addiction That No One Has. The addiction no one has. Overcoming the addiction no one has. And in that, in the process of writing the book, and I'll give you a backdrop later, but in the process of writing the book, one thing that God revealed to me is that men don't have a safe place to talk about real-life issues because it was something I dealt with. And so then he gave me Where Men Hurt. Uh, Where Men Hurt is um, the um, kind of the, the springboard to, to where we are now. Um, I will say that uh, in in those conversations with God about this book and this this ministry, He has told me that, uh, or He's revealed to me some some really great things. You know, when we talk about where men hurt, uh, where is a location, right? So we we don't really think about it in that terms, but it's a location. So the location of men hurting is mental health. The location is physical health. The location is finances, relationships, fatherhood. So he talked about these locations because uh, it was a part of my call to go to those locations. Mm-hmm. So he sent me out. And so I've done um, massive research on those different topics. And then I've brought in experts that can actually give us insight about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, insight uh, to... Uh, breakdowns. I mean, if you if you go back to your home growing up, was there a particular area that of, of where this hurt is? Is that uh, was that tied to your home growing up? Right. So for me, I, when I was a young boy, I was sexually molested at three. Uh, from three to six, it happened uh, with a female that was close to the family, and then from six to sixteen, it happened with a male that was close to the family. And so in that process, I developed. Uh, sexual tendencies. So then I became uh, what we normally call today as a sex addict. Uh, 
So in that process of, um, you know, being a sex addict at a young age, I, uh, you know, I developed um, habits that weren't good. So got married right out of high school, cheated on my wife the whole time. Got divorced, you know, still the same thing. Got remarried, and I thought, well, you know, this one I'll, I won't cheat. And still had some issues that I just could not, um, couldn't manage. And so, um, and I wasn't raised in church, so... I think that's important to say that I wasn't raised in church, so I didn't really understand um, Christian life. So then, in 2006, I was um, saved by I was saved by my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in 2006. In the process of being saved, um, you know, I didn't I didn't really understand Christianity. So I kept hearing, "If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature." And I was like, okay, that's, that sounds good, but what does it really mean? Mm-hmm. And it didn't mean anything to me at the time. Mm-hmm. So shortly after I was saved and baptized, then I started the, um, the sexual addiction, addictive behaviors again. And so then I was kind of mad. I was like, well, why didn't it work for me? You know, I'm watching all the guys on the stage or the people in the choir or whatever, and I'm saying it worked for them, but why didn't it work for me? And so I went and talked to my pastor at the time, Pastor Ron Eagleton, uh, Mount Rose Church of God in Christ and uh, in Crosby. And I said, it didn't work. And he's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, I'm like, I'm still having issues with uh, infidelity. And he said, um, it works, son. He said, the thing that you have to understand is that while salvation is instantaneous, deliverance is a process and you haven't been through your process. And so that kind of helped me. He sent me to see a sex therapist. We kind of talked through it. And, um, and then, you know, eventually after doing the, the, the necessary steps, I was able to overcome the addiction that no one has. Ah, okay. There you go. And that's the book. That's the book. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, uh, go back and, and talk a little bit about the, the sexualization of, of everything. I mean, obviously, when you've been abused at a young age and what have you, that completely skews. And we talk about today pornography, you know, kids, uh, the, there's actually a physical scarring of the, on the brain of kids being stimulated and, and seeing these, uh, these images. And, and the, the, the direction is it takes them down a path of essentially sexualizing everything. You can't look at a woman without sexually thinking about uh, in, that, in that context. Was that the case with yourself? Is that part of your journey? Absolutely. Uh, the thing that, that I tell uh, people, I, I travel around the world talking about the book and talking about this topic. The thing that I tell people is what you teach a child, they're going to do as an adult. So if I teach, if I teach my son the only way to count to 10 is 2, 4, 6, 8, 10. That's all he'll know until somebody comes along and teaches him different. And so when you've been sexually uh, mishandled at a young age, that thing is in your mind. That's what you know, and that's what you are believing to be the way. And so for me it was, um, you know, I knew, sex, I, I knew sex at 12, like for real, for real, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, and because of that, I was able to, as a young boy, capitalize on it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it sounds kind of strange, but, you know, when you look at it, you know, your uncles, your cousins, you know, how many girlfriends you got, right? So now I'm able to capitalize on it, and then it further drove me into this cycle of addictive behavior. Mm-hmm. Is it possible for a child to grow up today without that uh, sexual uh, uh, 
uh, inclination because of the way the culture is just driving everything is hypersexualized? I, I don't know that it is possible. Um, it, it has to be uh, closely guarded. You know, um, it's hard to keep kids from anything nowadays, mm -hmm. right? Um, but I, I, my prayer is that they don't uh, over overdo it, right? Mm -hmm. So there's there's going to be some introductions to some things that that you can't avoid, right? Unless they're just locked up in the basement, you know, under the house in the wintertime, right? <laughs> so so there's some things you can't avoid. But I think the the primary thing is having real conversations uh, with your with your kids. Okay. And, and were there influencers at critical junctures? Obviously, you had your, your pastor and your, your uh, therapist. That, uh, was there anyone else in your life uh, that, that came beside you as a brother and said, uh, hey, we're going to get through this? Yeah, uh, my pastor, obviously, and his son, who was my best friend, he, uh, he, he was there through the journey. He was my accountability partner. So if I had a trigger or if I had a thought, you know, uh, it was my responsibility to to let him know I had it, and then his his responsibility to say, okay, this is how we get through it. Mm. And uh, uh, Corey Eagleton is his name, and he 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 really saved my life. Mm. Amen. Now, uh, when you when you talk about uh, uh, this, and you're talking to younger people, what what uh, suggestions or what guidance can you give either young men or uh, parents uh, to uh, to navigate through this hypersexualized culture i think the primary thing is uh, open honest conversations right mm -hmm. there's got to be there's got to be a place of transparency on both ends so a lot of times as parents we are we want we want the truth from our kids but we won't give the truth mm -hmm. and so i think if we have honest conversations uh, you know, if, if Johnny's if Johnny's seen porn and he's comfortable enough to tell his mom or his dad, I've seen porn. Now we can address that topic as long as we are mature enough to be able to handle it. And so, a lot of times, as parents, we're really not because we're afraid of what that's going to cause. Hmm. And if we just learn how to redirect that fear into a place of consultation, then now we can help them to understand that this may not be the best route. Right, and, and there are some tremendous resources out there to where you aren't necessarily reacting to a, a, a exposure to porn, but uh, I'm trying to, I can't, I'm going blank on the author's name, but the book is Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, mm -hmm. and that's at a very young age, six, five, six years old, yeah. where the pictures are that anything under my underwear is, is, is guarded space, right. and that's, these are good pictures, and and if you start that dialogue early, then very quickly, what I've uh, found is a, a young kid will tell a teenage boy, "That's a bad picture." Right, <laughs> right, right, right. And uh, these are this this dialogue is is huge. Uh, but I the, particularly, do you have any uh, any thoughts or comments on the uh, just the whole gender issue, the pressures on these young ladies, uh, gender identity, any, anything along those lines uh, with this hypersexualized culture? Now, I think it's uh, I, it, in essence, it's really a part of what the Bible said was going to happen, right? So it's a part of the fulfilling of the word, and so I think the um, the rampantness of it is um is accepted so when, when we got to a place where we accepted it now it's okay for everybody and so i don't know that there's a reverse that can be put on that i think it's just about the educational piece the components of uh introducing the the spiritual component so that um so that god can deal with them as opposed to us dealing with them 
I agree that uh, I think the challenge, of course, is how, how do we confront uh, in, a, in a loving way? And I think uh, Romans uh, chapter 1, uh, 28, uh, 30, something like that, you talked about depraved minds mm -hmm. that were be turn, turned over to our oh, depraved minds. Absolutely. And I think that's something to be on guard uh, for because uh, we have to take control. Right. Uh, you know, I think it's Second uh, Corinthians ten five that says uh, to uh, demolish every uh, argument or pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Right. Take every thought captive right. to the obedience of Jesus the Christ. Absolutely. And uh, so our our challenge, of course, in uh, in this hypersexualized sexualized time when. When uh, when things that are obvious are not, you know, the the norms are not there. Uh, again, I always go back to dad and mom as well. You right. know, uh, that's how we set it up. We uh, we live our relationship. The closest thing we have to our relationship with Christ in the flesh is our relationship in marriage. And Absolutely. if our kids see that every day, right. they have an opportunity. Right. And and that's all you can do is give them opportunity. Uh, one of the other things I'll say is that. Um, the the way that we're teaching our children is not really as effective as it should be. So a lot of times, and, and I heard this, you know, I didn't hear this term until probably the early 90s, maybe, maybe the late 90s, was stranger danger. But the truth is, the real, the real danger is not the stranger. The real danger is the people that's closest. Mm -hmm. When you look at sexual abuse or sexual mishandling, it comes from somebody that usually they know. Mm -hmm. So so we as parents have to learn how to teach them about the book that you talked about. We have to teach them that, you know, even if it's, you know, cousin David or Aunt Martha, you still need to come tell me about it. Absolutely. And that's hard. I can tell you because I dealt with it. It's hard because cause I got this one person that I love that's saying, hey, you can't tell anybody. And then I got my parents over here saying, hey, if anything happens, you need to tell and so now I'm torn between, at, at that age, I'm torn between two people I love, and what do I do? And because I haven't developed a coping mechanism, I just deal with it internally. Right, and, so, and possibly also there had been no dialogue prior to that to let you know that this was inappropriate. Absolutely. And I think that's, uh, that's an area as well. Uh, is there a particular turning point in your life where you just said, okay, I, I, I think I, uh, by the grace of God, I've got this uh, addiction whooped? Um, no, I think my turning, my turning point came with a conversation with my pastor. That was the thing that really changed it for me. It changed the trajectory because it was a bunch of times that, I, you know, I was married four and a half years the first time, nine years the second time. It was a bunch of times I said, I'm not going to do this again. I just didn't have the, I didn't have the tools available. Mm -hmm. But what he did was provided me an opportunity to get those tools. And then it was up to me what I was going to do with it. And what he said was that uh, salvation is instant. But the sanctification and the uh, deliverance is a, is a journey. Absolutely. And that journey has a lot of valleys right. and uh, body blows. Yeah. As All you have to do is read about King David, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. You, you may have uh, been similar, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, that's where we're at. Well, well uh, anything else, any other words of wisdom you have for dads out there and uh, the men that, uh, that may be struggling similarly? I think the primary thing is is, is have conversations, right? A, a part of being a dad is more than just providing, and I see that a lot in the in the groups. Well, I you know I pay the bills, or I take care of the house, or it, it's so much more than that. It's about having a real conversation and relationship with your children, to where if anything goes wrong, you're the first person they think they should call, 
And I think that's the part of, of parenting that's hard because we get so consumed with life, the bills, the, you know, the spouse, whatever. But uh, cultivating those relationships is what I would say will be our, should be our focus. And, of course, we can't let you off the hook either, dads, because uh, a lot of young men I know that uh, were exposed to porn, they got exposed to porn by picking up their dad's phone. Mm -hmm. So uh, hold yourself accountable. Get yourself your battle buddies. Uh, uh, check out uh, Andrew at, uh, at wheremenhurt.org and uh, let him know that uh, the, he has conversations regularly with men uh, just in situations just like yours. So uh, if, if that's not possible, find men in your church or in your circles. Uh, you can always call Faithful Fathering, and we'll uh, go. I'm always good for a cup of coffee if you're buying. Right. And, uh, we'll uh, we'll rock and roll from there. Well, Andrew, thank you for your time here. Thank you for being real and your story, and uh, uh, thank you for being obedient to what the Lord's called you to. Yes, sir. Well, uh, dads, again, uh, be sure to keep your eye on the Heavenly Father. He's the perfect Father, and and uh, as Matthew five forty eight says, be perfect as. Uh, therefore, as your father is perfect. So that's the charge, and that's the journey. Uh, there's plenty of valleys on that journey, but uh, be the man, the husband, the father you are called to be, uh, a bit closer to that perfect father today than yesterday, closer tomorrow than today. So for now, uh, God bless, God's peace. We'll talk to you next time.